This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello and welcome to Health and Living with me, Lim Su An. What does having good mobility mean? Now, is it simply about being flexible or is it about the way you move? You know, whether you're just going about your daily routines or maybe while you're exercising and playing sports. So on today's show, um, I am joined, um, as always, by consultant orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Harjit Singh for his um, bi-monthly um, segment. Um, he's joining us via Zoom today, unfortunately, but we also have fitness trainer Josephine C with me in the studio and we'll be diving into what mobility training is and why all of us should pay a bit more closer attention to how we all move on a daily basis. Um, thank you both so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for having me. Sorry, I'm not there. There are mobility issues. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it's unfortunate that that's today, but you know, hopefully we'll see you again um, in our studio very soon, Dr. Harjit. Um, for our listeners out there, if you have any questions you'd like to ask us, you can call us at double seven double three two nine hundred. You can WhatsApp us at zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, or you can tweet us at BFM Radio. Now, I'm going to start with, and I know this is a rather broad question, um, but what does good mobility mean to both of you and why is it important? Um, I'll start with you first, Dr. Harjit. Okay, um, I mean, if you look at it in a medical standpoint, uh, when you look at, when you say the word mobility, you are actually expressing it in a very functional term. Uh, it's not something more static. It's something that allows us to go about our daily needs and wants, uh, with, with comfort and uh, with appropriate ability. So I think that's what uh, I would define mobility as. And it's not only something that we look at in as we get older. It, it's, it's, it's a problem in the whole range of ages, uh, right from the young. And then as we get uh, slightly less younger, we have a different pattern of problems, but we have problems also. So that's what mobility is to me. Mm. And to you, Joe? I totally agree, uh, agree with doctor here. Uh, to me, good mobility means you have the healthy functional joint to do whatever you want, whatever you need to, and whatever uh, you have to physically, it's the same. But uh, yeah, and without pain and discomfort, mm -hmm. even though after all the activity or day-to-day -day, uh, life, uh, we, we have um, comfort and we don't experience pain, safeness in our day-to-day -day life. And that is what good mobility brings to us. And uh, that gives us a good quality of life. Mm. Yeah. Um, Dr. Harjit, which parts of our musculoskeletal system are especially crucial when it comes to mobility, right? I mean, I think naturally, I think of the joints, for example, but are we just look, should we be looking so specifically or is it a whole system working in tandem? Yeah, so if you look at it, when we when we talk about uh, the musculoskeletal system, we talk about both, right? Even in the word, we are talking about the muscles. Mm -hmm. and we are talking about the skeleton. And uh, the thing in between is the joint. Mm -hmm. So joint uh, connects two areas of bone and motion is by the muscles. So it is not only very uh, isolated to a single part. Uh, they have to act in concert. And often, you know, everybody says, oh, you know, we have to work on this group of muscles called the core. But if you ask them to name what are the core, they get very, very confused. So, you know, you have your axial skeleton. That means that's the center around which the limbs move. So, you know, when they move, they have to have a stable platform. Mm. So I think everything is working in tandem at the same time. 
Hmm. How do you assess someone's mobility range, Dr. Harjit? You know, say someone comes into your clinic. Okay, so now look at it. Uh, when you're mentioning mobility, you're already looking at a functional angle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, a lot of times uh, when you are assessing it in a very passive manner, you are assessing the flexibility of the patient, Okay, which gives an indication of the kind of problems that they can have both at uh, older age and also in teen age when they have their growth spurt. So it's a bit different. Now, even a healthy person can have a poor functional range. Mm-hmm. They are able to adapt, compensate for a period of time before it becomes a bigger problem. And I tend to see them uh, when they have a problem. I guess if they are mindful about what they are losing, then they go and see people like Joe to, you know, to, to prevent problems, you see. Mm, mm. So that's how they come to me. Mm. Joe, how would you also assess people so if someone comes to to you for a class, right? Or for one-on-one or a group class, how would you assess what their mobility is? Okay, if uh, if the person come to me personally and um, through a series of questionnaires, I've, uh, the person mentioned to me I have issue with certain joint and then I will assess one joint at a time to see whether how, how much range of motion the person have at that particular joint and the neighbouring joint as well. So mm-hmm. I will assess the flexibility, meaning the passive range of motion and the active range of motion of that particular joint. So it's not just uh, putting the person, like I help the person to like, for example, if let's say I want to assess a person's hip, mm-hmm. I will not just pull the person to be in a certain position. I will also get the person to move by him or herself to see whether how much active range of motion that uh, how much control he had uh, he or she has in that particular range of motion to determine that whether you have uh, adequate range of motion uh, for that joint and uh, in a group class setting we usually do a series of movement called control articular rotation mm-hmm. the acronym is called cars it's just like driving cars um, through that series of movement the People can self-assess and self-maintain, uh, uh, basically self-assess their active range of motion. But it's like a series of motion together. So uh, I usually start the group class with cars to let them have, like, have a warm-up, but also let them have an idea that uh, what is the limitation, what are the compensation, and uh, what they can do with the joint, what they cannot do with the joint. Mm. Just to clarify a bit more, Joe, well, how is it different from flexibility? Because that's the passive part of the range of motion, right? Just to clarify, okay. Uh, so passive range of motion, like uh, doctor said, is actually a flexibility, mm-hmm. meaning uh, with assistance, the joint can go further. Mm. So that's what we meant by passive. Got and it. if it's an active range of motion, meaning the person can do the range of motion by on his own without aid. Like, for example, a split. Mm. If I do split on the floor, the floor will assist me to get into a deeper deeper range, mm. like deeper s- split, I hope, <laughs> for myself. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, if, if I stand and I lift my legs up, imagine I want to do a kick, like a karate kick, right? Mm. If I do not have a wall 
And my leg can only go to a certain extent. And that is my active range of motion. Like I try to do like a Bruce Lee kick, but I cannot because I don't have the active range of motion. Mm. But on the floor, I can do. So on the floor, it's like, it's, it's what we call a passive range of motion for the hip. And then when I stand, it's called passive range. So that's like a typical example to uh, differentiate passive and active range of motion. Mm. So what are the different circumstances um Let's look at aging first, right? For example, is it normal that someone loses that range of motion as they get older? Commonly, yes, but also depends on the person's activity level. Mm. So I have seen elderly that are pretty active. They have very good range of motion on certain things. Um, and I have seen very sedentary elderly who also uh, have actually negative, I mean, their range of motion actually start from negative degree instead of like from zero degree. Oh, wow. Yeah, from neutral. So what I see mm. as neutral is like, okay, when you are, when you're static, it's already showing like you have a, ne a, a negative range of motion, mm. Mm, mm. negative degree. Mm. Yeah. Dr. Harshit, what are, I mean, aging the biological clock aside, right? What other factors or circumstances could lead to someone losing their mobility or, or having a reduced range of mobility? Okay, um, the way I look at it is that uh, you have to identify which part is the one that's giving you a problem. Mm. So when the joint is wearing out, of course, the covering of the joint loses its mobility and it becomes stiffer. But at the same time, like Joe has pointed out, if you are uh, active, then you tend to have uh, muscles which function appropriately. And that will not be a problem as we age. Of course, we will lose flexibility of the muscle because we are losing the muscle spindle itself. Mm -hmm. Lose balance, the firing from the brain, the neural adaptations are not so good. Okay, and then our bone density is also dropping, architecture is changing. Mm -hmm. All that are detrimental, but you work the part, you can slow down the process. That's one. Now, to maintain bone health, we always say the exercises have to be uh, weight-bearing because we have to continually stimulate the bone. So, if you look at physiology, we know how physiology is going to bring us to the end, right? Mm -hmm. But there are ways that if we continue keeping active, okay, and it's not only the cardio part of it, it's also about the balance, uh, working on the flexibility, and combining this with strength, you are working on mobility. So that keeps us going. Mm. What kind of um, injuries as well could lead to someone um, losing mobility? Yeah, I, I think that's a good good point. But I, I'm going to explain it to you in two two ways. Huh? Mm -hmm. I'll take two points, okay? Okay, say it's in the shoulder. Mm. You'd be surprised that people who take part in uh, racket sports, mm -hmm. particularly the overhead ones, I give an example as badminton, mm -hmm. okay? So if you play badminton, uh, technically, you will externally rotate your shoulder a lot, right? Okay, and what happens is, your arc of motion will be still what is acceptable, but you tend to lose the rotation inward. So mm -hmm. we actually have a condition called uh, glenohumeral internal rotation deficit. So what it, it what it tells you is that this particular person, he has a good arc, but it is because he has an increase in external 
resulting in an increase in internal. Now, they come to me with pain in the rotator cuff. Someone has done an MRI and, you know, uh, they said, oh, there's coughing, you've got a rotator cuff problem, maybe you need an injection, you need rehab. But if you pick out that this is the problem, you know, and you cone down in your motion-related exercises, the stretches, the functional work that you do, they actually recover. You don't need to do any surgery or injections. That's one part of it. Now, say I move first okay, to the knee. Now, hmm. uh, this is an injured knee. Uh, you have ruptured your ACL. I've reconstructed you. And that's one of the main ligaments and my, my, my scope of work. And we now find that the chances of injuring the other knee, you know, is, is, is also going to be equal as injuring the first knee. Mm-hmm. And we find if you have motion pattern issues in the hip joint, right? So the way you land, the way you move, your abductors are weak. You actually have an increased chance of rupturing your ACL. So now rehabilitation is not coned down only to the knee. It's also including the hip and the core. Mm. Because the idea is you don't want a second rupture on the other knee or that reconstructed knee. So these are two ways of looking at it. Until we have a problem, that's when we realize that we've been moving over a long period of time (laughs) with mobility issues that we did not know. Mm. I'm sure, uh, you know, Joe, when you are meeting someone, a a customer for, for the first time, Sometimes they don't realize that they don't have the mobility until you tell them, can you do this? And they're like, oh, cannot. So it's like that. That's the way we look at it. Mm. I see you nodding, Joe. So that that is the case then. Yes, very often. (laughs) Mm, mm. Mm. So is it because they've compensated for it? Correct. So when a joint doesn't have uh, have limited range of motion to do the activity or the task or the movement for Mm -hmm. sports or whatever... um, the other joint, usually the neighbouring joint, will compensate. Mm. So from the warm-up that we do in the group class or the assessment, we're able to identify what are the compensators as well. So from there, uh, through some series of questions, we can actually kind of like know why the person has pain. And it, it's like back to the root cause. That example, if a person comes to me with a knee pain, and then when I assess the knee joint, the range of motion it's okay. Mm. But when I assess a hip joint, I found out that uh, internal rotation have a lot of limitation. Mm. And then when I get the person to move the hip in internal rotation uh, pattern, the other joint, the lumbar joint will move and then the knee joint will move, the ankle will move. Every Many things move except for the hip. Mm. So <laughs> it, it means that... Um, the root cause is actually not at the knee because the person comes to me with the knee pain. Mm. But the root cause is all because you don't have a hip that works like a hip. So hence uh, the compensation happened. And then why is it the knee pain happened? Probably because the uh, depends on the movement as well. If the movement requires a lot of hip but the knee... Um, 
been doing a lot more work, then the knee definitely will be the first one. All the lower back will be definitely uh, the first one that actually like protests, like mm. give you a signal that, oh, I'm having pain now. Mm. Yeah. All right. We'll go for a quick break now and continue this discussion when we come back on the show with me today. Our consultant orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Harjit Singh and fitness trainer, Josephine C. We are talking about mobility and we'll dive more into what mobility training looks like after this. So keep it here on Health & Living, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, Lim Su. And on the show with me today is consultant orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Harjit Singh. And joining him today is Josephine C, a fitness trainer. We are talking about the importance of mobility and we want to dive into what mobility training is as well. Um, and that's something that Joe uh, has a particular interest in that, that Joe specialises in. So if you have questions you'd like to ask um, either of our guests today, you can call us at 7733 You can WhatsApp our U mobile number at 018-789-8899. You can also tweet us at BFM Radio. Joe, now we've spoken a lot to you and both to both you and Dr. Harjit about the importance of mobility, what that looks like passively and actively. So what is it that you do? Um, what is mobility training? Okay, the training mod modality that I use, um, we start off with self-assessment first. Basically, everyone wants to know the baseline of their joint. Mm. And when we do uh, mobility training, uh, we will train one joint at a time because we want to obtain the independence of the joint before they depend on each other to work uh, in a compound movement. So it's very isolated. It's very isolated, yes. Uh, but that's not the only piece. Mm -hmm. So... Um, if the person already moving with a lot of compensator, that won't be isolated. So it's like a learning process for everyone as well. So in the beginning, we will isolate the joint, move it into a rotational manner to mm -hmm. assess, to self-assess what active range of motion they have. And then from there, and also what are the compensation. And then from there, they will, um, we will get into our end range in some base position. So base position can be anything like 90-90 positions, sitting on the ground. Sometimes we were just sitting against a wall. Sometimes we are in a kneeling, half kneeling position. Uh, sometimes we just lie down flat, face down or face up mm -hmm. uh, on the ground. So it depends which joint we are doing and at what range of motion we are training. So we find our end range um, of that joint and then we will do isometric loading at the end range. Now, the crucial part for the training is that we train the joint at the end range position and not at the mid range. What because, does that mean? Okay, end range meaning the range of motion that you we cannot go any further. So, mm. for example, if we lay down flat on the ground and then you lift up one leg, um, then we can see people who have uh, good flexibility, they can actually lift up like up to 90 degree or over 90 degree. Uh, those who have not, maybe lesser than 90 degree. So, but if I say, can you go for more range, like go towards your end, then the person will try harder to bring that leg over that whatever uh, degree that they, they initially had. Mm -hmm. And then when they feel slightly um, higher, to do that in a higher effort, like a little bit more difficult to perform that range, that's where we're actually able to identify uh, that range is their end range, provided it has to be pain-free, uh, discomfort-free. But um, pain is a very subjective uh, matter, I believe. Doctor mm. will agree as well. So uh, in the end range, we will perform isometric loading. So what does that mean? Is that in that range, we will perform like a plank hole mm. exercise 
at the mm. joint in that position. Mm. So you can imagine there's no movement, but there's a lot of uh, um, muscle being used in that range of motion uh, at the end range. It's, it's challenging because we are performing those uh, the, the loading at the end range and not at the mid range because we already have really good control um, and awareness of the mid range because we have done a lot. Like you, if I say, use back the same example, if I say lift up your legs, you can just easily lift up the leg to a higher degree, but towards the end range, it's like, oh, it kind of slow down and mm. then you find that knees started to bend, the other leg started to come up mm. and then your lower back started to round. Th those are compensators. So we want to reduce those compensators and then to to train the hip flexor specifically or the uh, back of the leg muscle. So uh, we also do things like eccentric loading. We, we can do like power training in any end range. So that's what mobility training looks like. Uh, towards the end, we will um, reassess the joint again to uh, do cars again. Mm -hmm. And this is to actually maintain the range of motion that we managed to work on in the session itself. So that means in, in a, let's say, a span of 10 minutes, I start with doing cars, then we get into the end range for specific uh, joint and specific range. And then after that, we do work, um, we call peels and rails. Uh, it's called a, a progressive angular isometric loading or regressive angular isometric isometric loading. So it's a mouthful, but mm -hmm. basically it's an isometric loading at the end range. So um, after that, uh, we assess and see whether there's any expansion of the range of motion mm. via doing, doing the same thing again, control articular rotation. Mm. So this is like a, one of the examples that we do in either group class or private setting. Mm. Um, Joe, I have a question here from Anthony who's asking, or well, who said that I used to learn Taekwondo from um, from when I was six years old to 17. And at that time, I could my leg could kick as high as 1.8 to 2 meter. But these days, my kicks are very low. Is that what um, you mean by active range of motion? And in, in his case, has it then depleted? In this case, if you're doing the same movement, yes, that means the range, range of motion have reduced compared to last time. So my question to you is, uh, have you been doing the kick throughout <laughs> the year from the 17 to now? If you do, technically you're able to maintain the range of motion. Mm. Because one of the things that we do to maintain our range of motion is keep doing the thing. Mm. That's why we are very good in sitting because we sit every day. <laughs> And we don't have problem with sitting because mm. we're sitting every day. We have the range of motion. Mm. Mm. So is it possible then for someone like Anthony to get back to where he was when he was younger, considering that if age is a factor as well? Possible. Because mm. human body is adaptable. But how much time? It depends. It depends how much time <laughs> you put in, how much work you put in and how much time you actually put in to do the work. Mm, but it's possible. Mm. Mm. Dr. Harjit, do you find that people are usually aware of how their body or how particular muscles or joints are moving and, and whether they themselves are compensating or not? Uh, no, I, I don't think they are acutely aware mm. unless they are involved uh, or you know they take an interest in, 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 uh, in sports injuries or you know like mm. joe has gone into fitness training then you tend to you know expand your horizons you read a bit more and you become aware we will be acutely aware if we lose functional range mm. which means that okay say at the elbow mm. i'm supposed to get it straight right zero degrees and you know technically the younger ones have it moving the other way 
Okay, so that's hyperextension. All right. Like me, the younger one, I can get a bit more. Okay. <laughs> then you can flex it. That means you can bend the elbow. Okay. And that goes to about 120 degrees. Now, the functional range of the elbow is 20 to 100. So if you have 20 to 100, 20 to 110, that means you are actually losing an extension of 20 degrees. Functionally, you will be able to do most activities. Mm. Okay? But if someone asks you, hey, straighten your arm, uh, your elbow, you will not be able to do that. The reason being that the shoulder is a very mobile joint mm -hmm. and it's a lot of compensation. Now, so that's a functional range. Now, the end range is like Joe explained. Um, to put it simply is you're bringing it right to the end of your movement. So at the shoulder, patients who have loss of end range movement, they actually complain of very vague aches and pains because the joint right at the end is not right smack in the center. So you can imagine if the back of the joint is tight, as you go in certain movements, the head of the humerus will move away and not be center. So these, you know, it's very difficult for them to explain to you and you have to be very alert, you know, of the story. So those are the end, end range problems. The mid range problems, it's very clear. Mm. The patient tell you, hello, I can't move it. But the end range one, they come with a lot of uh, very vague. They come, they say it's crampy, it's achy, I don't have a good sleep at night. So you then know that it's, you know, these kind of problems. So mm. it's different. So at what point would you consider it a serious enough problem to worth um to be worth seeing someone, whether like you or like you, Dr. Harjit, or like Joe, right? Because if it's a smaller degree, for example, that people have lost um, mobility, then maybe it doesn't affect them as much. So how do you how does someone gauge, for example, how do I gauge when I should see a professional? Okay, um most of my patients they don't come immediately unless they dislocate the joint. Okay. <laughs> Um, but the way I look at it, a lot of them come to me when it starts disturbing sleep. Yeah, mm, when it's sleep. disturbing sleep. Yeah, they really come fast when it starts disturbing their sleep. <laughs> Normally, in about two weeks. Mm. Uh, the second one is that sometimes they 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 pick up a new game, and the pain intensifies. Mm. You know, a lot of them go to the gym, and the trainer gets them to do certain things and they get a lot of pain, you know, and I think it's group classes where there is a bigger problem because, you know, you see the person beside you being able to do much more than you. So when you say, you know, the trainer says, stop if you're having pain. For mm -hmm. them, it's never mind a little bit of pain that auntie also can do, I also can. Uh, so, you, so that's when they come in. The competitive streak comes in. Yeah, yeah. Of course. It's always pressure. A, so I, I'm guilty of it also, but... <laughs> not go there so the <laughs> idea, so the thing about it is that's that's the kind of if it's really affecting important things like you know you can't sleep well because of it or you take part you know you pick up some some new skill and it's made your pain worse then they come to me mm. joe i want to use this example um use use these two examples perhaps if you could explain right say someone who's very active who goes to gym regularly is a weekend warrior plays a sport versus someone who is mostly sedentary works a, a, a day job sits nine to five right how would these two different kinds of people benefit from something like mobility training okay so um 
very com- common mobility issue is that either you move too much, mm. overuse the joint, or you don't move enough. Mm. So um, for let's talk about sedentary people first who do not have a active lifestyle or mm-hmm. do not have an exercise uh, routine. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means they spend long time to do something uh, repetitively. So probably sitting a long time not moving, and or maybe doing too much. Um, housework or you know day to day stuff. So when they do mobility training, the the one of the benefit is they able to maintain their joint health so that they can prolong their activity. Same goes to the active uh, lifestyle person, and uh, it's very crucial for them to have a mobility routine or joint health joint health routine is that they able to um, like I said keep the joint healthy keep the joint uh, functioning and also um, to mitigate injury as well so this actually apply mm-hmm. to both sedentary and active lifestyle people so what does mitigate injury means is that we, we cannot prevent injury from happen if it has happened then it will happen we, we cannot prevent that but what happened after injury the during the recovery process uh, will be faster for people who are already aware of what a, what their joint capable of doing before this uh, they know what they can do before what what kind of strength they had before uh, during mobility training and then if let's say accident happened or sudden thing happened sudden incident happened that caused them loss of mobility and then very fast they gain back they'll gain back the mobility faster because mm. they have been trained in their end range before. Actually, end range um, for everyone is very different. Like in a group class or even one-on-one, everyone's end range will look very different. So mm. not so everyone will It's not will standard. Look, it's not standard. There's no standard here. There's no the, need to be competitive then. Correct. correct. So there's no no whiteboard that you write down, okay, I have this much of range of motion for my <laughs> shoulder or my for my hip. Oh, actually, I should start that. Okay, no. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> So, uh, mm. so it's it's totally not a competition, mm. and uh, everyone starts somewhere. I always tell people that oh, because some people they don't even aware of what is what is happening to the body, like what they can do, what they cannot do. Even though I ask them to do something, like uh, can you load this area of a tissue, they will be like. What are you talking about? They will just like stare blank at me. Mm. Uh, so this is one of the example that when we don't have control at the end range, especially. So go back to the the question, like how active people actually mm. can benefit from mobility training is that the 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 direct answer will be you can play the sports as long as you want to because mm. you're in control. You know what is a safe zone, and then from from having a mobility routine. You get to assess your joint every day on yourself and you know that which range is safe and which range is um, not so safe, not so stable. So I'll give you an example here. Let's say people who run, all right? Mm. So if the person running and then we know that um, the one leg will be in front, one leg will be at the back when they run. So when the leg is backwards, uh, when the leg is going to the back, it means the hip is doing what we call hip extension. Mm-hmm. If a person has very limited hip extension, uh, especially people who are new to running or started picking up running, I always hear people say, come to me and say, oh, I have back pain or I have like, knee pain mm-hmm. when I started running. So that means that they are, um, it could be a few reasons. Well, the reason is um, after ass- assessment, of course, then I realized that, oh, you actually don't have uh, enough of hip extension. You don't have a hip that allow you to run for X amount of time or X amount, uh, X distance, right? So uh, because 
every movement have its prerequisite. Meaning mm. we need to have, we need to think that when we want to run, we need to have this, this, this joint to able to go f- to a certain range of motion so that they won't overcompensate each other. So um, that will, having a mobility training routine allow the person to actually able to decide or make decision on how far they can go in each of their practice session. Right, it's like okay, mm-hmm. I know today my ankle is very stiff, or I know today my hip or my lower back is very extra, like um, it's slightly user lesser range of motion than usual. Then maybe I reduce my distance or time so that I don't over push because we know that anything overuse is long period of time is like a build up. Mm. So all the when we have um routine then we're able to tell uh what they call it um like we, we can know what are the signal and symptoms that the body giving back to us when you when when we move the body. So mm. from there you can decide better. Can train mm. smarter as well. Mm. So that's one of the benefits. Mm. Mm. I think that, that should convince people, right? It helps you to train smarter. Yes. <laughs> um, we have a question, another question here from one of our listeners who said that, um, I used to think that mobility is just about flexibility, but I started going for yoga and the instructor said that mobility is also tied to core strength um, and so on. Um, Dr. Harjit, what, what are your thoughts on that? How much does core strength also help? And, and I know you said you were, you were talking about it a bit earlier as well. Yeah, I I think it's a package. When you're looking at mobility, you are looking at functionality. Okay, Uh, and therefore, when you are looking at flexibility, you are taking a more passive stance to things. Mm -hmm. Now, um, so when you do yoga, I mean, yes, they say yoga, you know, a simplified way to look at it is, okay, yoga increases flexibility. Mm -hmm. Yes, but yoga increases mobility because the movements are isolated in certain areas, composite in certain movements, and therefore, I think you work a lot on your mobility. What what I think is important is that when you understand the concept of mobility, having good range of movement, um, you become aware And when you are aware, you prevent problems because there is lesser chance of compensatory movements that make up for a lack of joint movement in a one particular target area. So if you have issues at the hip and you work on them, you are less likely to have lower back and knee problems. But mind you, any any uh, child or a teenager who comes to us uh, in an in an orthopedic practice, complaining of knee pain, it's mandatory for us to examine the hip because the nerve mm. supply is actually the same. Mm. So a lot of times, patient comes and says, "Hey, I've got," you know, mom says he's been limping. So limping, mm. child, knee problems after athletic activities that might just be a red herring, and the problem is at the hip. So I think awareness is key. And, you know, when you go to a trainer who understands this, then you become aware yourself. Mm. Um, Joe, how do you also manage clients' expectations, right? Because how soon would someone see a change in their mobility, in their range of motion when they start mobility training, for example? Mm, To make my job easier, we usually go by, I, I will ask the person, so what kind of movement causes you what pain. And then the progression 
will be going back to the same movement and then see whether you still have the same pain. Uh, that will be the most direct progression. Uh, so that is after training. Mm. And But mobility progression uh, is not as obvious as you adding weights mm-hmm. on, in your exercise. Uh, because this isn't an exercise on its own, right? Correct. Uh, but can measure by how much time you can load the joint at your end range at the same degree. It's measurable. Mm. Mm, everything is measurable. So um, a lot of education provided in the first few sessions. Um, so getting everyone on the same page, essentially? Correct, correct. Because um, everyone will have their own understanding of mobility. Mm-hmm. And then everyone come to me, not everyone, like most people come to me, they will have some sort of condition. And then and they, everyone have different expectations. Mm-hmm. So I would like to know, I, I would like ask them, so what do you expect out of this session first? I, un- I want to understand what, what, what do they understand first. Then from there, I will, I, I was, I will know what to tell them. Okay, so uh, if, if their expectation is, oh, I want, okay, for example, knee pain again, but this is just an example. Mm-hmm. If the person have knee pain when they run, just a short run, like maybe I just run within a minute, I got knee pain already. Mm. I mean, like, oh, okay, so that means your knee um, worth looking at and then after assessment, training, blah, blah, blah. Then after a certain period of time, we will still do running mm. as a test, uh, but we will do a bunch of other assessment and training as well. Uh, meanwhile, so that the person able to tell whether is my joint uh, okay now or not, mm. right? That's the that's progression. Mm-hmm. It, it really case by case basis. So. Mm. All right. Mm. Um, just a couple more questions before we wrap up. Um, Joe, very quickly, I guess we have people also asking, how is something like mobility training different from physical rehab, physical therapy, for example? Okay, so mobility training, the modality that I use is pretty much working at the end range. So like I said, everyone's end range will be very different. Mm-hmm. A person's end range before they get injured and a person's end range after they get injured it has a lot of difference as well. So what we're trying to do here is two things. We're trying to close the gap between the active and passive range of motion, mm-hmm. meaning we want to increase the range of motion that is usable, is more useful. And then, uh, we, of course, we want to increase the flexibility as well. Uh, for people who got injured or just got, got out of injury or in and out of injury for a very long time, they have tried everything, including seeing doctor, uh, in, in, like a lot of things, like except surgery. Mm. Uh, they, they've been through all the cycle and like doctor, we, fitness trainer, like people like me are not their first choice as well. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> they'll be probably like the, the final, final, even after doctor, like the last, mm. last choice, uh, last option. Um, so they will, what, what's the difference? Mm, right? What's the difference? Okay. Uh, I guess in terms of movement, is th- are there differences or is it actually quite similar as well? For flexibility training? As in when it comes to mobility training and physical therapy, for okay. example. Okay, yeah. So uh, people who got injured, their range of motion will reduce significantly. Mm. And then from that same thing, we will work on the range of motion that they have. And then we expand the usable range of motion back to before. Mm. But that takes some time because the tissue is already... Uh, not the same tissue quality that they had before injury. So first we must make the 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 system, I mean make the body trust 
make the nervous system trust the body that's capable of doing this, then only we can start doing work like loading uh, and put more uh, extended period of time into that tissue for tissue to work in order to become the tissue like before again. So that this takes time. So end range is the one that I find that um, the very common rehab method that I've heard and I've been through myself, not, uh, yeah, I didn't really been through a, a extensive rehab for my minor injury, but uh, what I've heard from my client, they usually given a sets of exercise, which is not very specific. Now, if we want to improve a specific tissue quality, a specific type of exercise or movement has to be given or prescribed. Mm. So, um, for example, if the person have lower back um, pain, mm -hmm. but it's not an injury, that means that we know that the lower back tissue is no longer 100%, right? So, um, but people been giving exercise like, but dog, cat, cow. Oh, sorry. But dog, like they bark. But dog, like okay. So for your information, if you don't know what's but dog, basically you're in a tabletop position, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then you lift up the right arm or the left leg or same side. So, but those that movement is it doesn't involve uh, doesn't get the spine to move at all. It's in a static position. Mm. So how is that going to help the joint become functional when the joint wasn't being trained in movement? Mm -hmm. mm. Okay, so like dead bug also is the same. Your spine is in, probably in a side flexion position and then you're there for a certain period of time. But the, our spine is designed to move when there is no movement and you didn't train the spine to move. How is that going to help the person to regain back the functionality of the spine? So this is the difference between um, um, some of the physical rehab that I've heard myself compared to the training that I provide. Mm. Dr. Harjit, to round off our discussion, you know, why is it important from your perspective, right? Because you see people when they're already in pain, when they're already injured. Why is it important that people pay more attention to their mobility at all ages, right? What are the long-term consequences that you don't want to see? Okay, so I think we only have one body, so mm -hmm. we have to really take good care of it. All right. And uh, a lot of times the emphasis in health and exercise has always been uh, cardiovascular. Mm -hmm. And uh, over time and through the talks that we give, we have always uh, emphasized that muscle strength, endurance is also important. So we added on something else. And then we remember that if we only work on strength and without working on flexibility, rest assured, we'll get an overuse injury. And we now know that all of this come together and we work on mobility. That means we are getting a, you know, getting a more global look at how health and exercise is supposed to be. Mm. Now, when you compare this with rehabilitation after injury, remember that in rehabilitation, there is an anatomical problem, okay, uh, in a mobility, the end range part, it's a lot of it. It's a functional problem that you can work out to a certain extent. So if you're injured, there are phases to recovery. You know, you have to protect the part. Then you have to get your range of motion, the mid-range part, the functional part, and then you move on to the end range. And sometimes the methods that we do 
we actually counsel the patient that in all probability, you will lose your end range. They have to be ready for that. Mm -hmm. Because when you have a joint which is unstable and loose, we tend to do methods to tighten it up. So if you try to keep on going to your end range, you might just pop it out again. So, mm -hmm. I mean, those are the simple ways. But I think my take is it's not only cardiovascular, it's not only strength. We have to look look beyond. We look beyond, we look at mobility and mobility gives us continued life. All right. Thank you both so much for joining me today. I've been joined by consultant orthopedic surgeon Dr. Harjit Singh and fitness trainer Josephine C. We've been talking about the importance of mobility on today's show. I'm Lim Swen and this has been Health and Living BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.